last week, you looked at the brook Kidron, did you not? And um, I don't know that Pastor McConnell finished the message, so he might have to finish it another day. <laughs> he's, he's, he, was, uh, he was so keen to finish it that he asked to preach today. And then when I rang him up, said, yeah, that'll be okay. He said, oh, sorry, I'm double booked. I was going to Canberra. <laughs> so he's in Canberra today. So thank you to each one that ministered. We're going back to a sermon that I didn't finish, and we won't finish today either, and we'll only be going halfway through what's in the bulletin there. We've looked, began, began to look at the battle of the ages some uh, months ago. It was on the ninth, in the ninth month, the end of the ninth month. And we looked at the battle historically, how Satan fell, and how there's been a battle raging ever since. And on earth, the battle was seen in the different things that Satan has tried to do, or did do in history, murdering the godly seed we looked at by corrupting the pedigree of man and God had to bring the flood on the earth to annihilate all but eight of the human race. And evidence of the flood is everywhere, <laughs> even those volcanoes we visited. It's interesting that some of them are more honest than others. Instead of billions of years ago, 10,000 years ago. They're getting closer, but just come a little bit further. <laughs> come 4,000 years ago, and that's when those volcanoes were erupting there and around wherever they were in the world. And the ice age after the flood set in. And now we just have a meltdown, and we're still melting down from that, that period of time. It's not that the, 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 the ice poles are suddenly evaporating and dissolving because of global warming. It's just been going on for thousands of years from after the flood. But anyway, that was what God did to, 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 to save mankind in Genesis 6 from total spiritual destruction and physical um, <clears throat> Satan also attacked by causing man to unite against God just after the flood 400 or so years after the flood Nimrod a hunter of the souls of men united the government of the world we could say one world government and God came down and confused their languages and from that we have the nations that's where the nation started and Interestingly, God has stated in his word, he set the bounds of their habitation. What do you get out of that, that we are trying to do today that's not, not really what God wanted? Multiculturalism. He set the bounds of their habitation, where the nations would go with their different languages. That's why we have nations today. God set it so. But now they're breaking that thing that God set up down way back then. But And... And another attack by attacking the nation of Israel because God chose a man called Abraham and gave him covenants which are still in, in force today. Most of, them, most of them except for the Mosaic covenant because they broke that covenant. God put them out of the land and disciplined them for breaking his, the Mosaic covenant. But the Davidic, the Palestinian and the new covenant, the Davidic covenant are still in play. They're still not being fulfilled and God will do what he said he will do. 
Um, <clears throat> yes, by attacking the nation of Israel, by corrupting them. It didn't take long, and I've just been reading through Judges and the book prior to it <laughs> on our trip away and, and how that God had to keep on bringing Israel back. He raised a judge up that brought them back to, to righteousness and then they slipped away. Within 40 or 50 years, they corrupted themselves. They followed after Baal and the gods of the countries to which they had been given. I mean, how quickly it, it happens. And it happens has happened to the church, as we'll see this morning. But God would then, they'd go into captivity and they'd cry out to God after a few years of, for the bondage they were in and God would give them another judge to deliver them. And God did that over and over again. The cycle went round and around. And Satan was trying to corrupt that nation that God chose to spread his word throughout the world. Uh, <clears throat> Satan also tried to wipe out the royal seed that was promised in Genesis 3.15. The one that would bruise a serpent's head. And taking out the royal seed through Judah, the seed, the, the king would come. And there was at one stage, one child left of the kingly line. And he was saved and he was put in as a king at eight years old by the godly priest. Um, he corrupted Satan, corrupted the royal line and nation, corrupted them spiritually. After God disciplined them and took them into captivity, the Assyrian captivity, the Babylonian captivity, some hundred years later, they came back to the land and they said, let's do it right. And they had the, the Torah, the law, the Mosaic law, the Pentateuch, and they read them. But then they put together the, the Talmud, which is still enacted today, and it's all the extra laws, not God's laws, the Jews' laws. Man-made traditions. And that's what the Lord Jesus really got onto them about in Matthew 23. And God's response was... Uh, Sure, he sent his son. He sent his son. Surely thou reverence my son. And what did Satan try to do? At the very birth of the Messiah, what did Satan do? He tried to kill the Messiah through Herod. Remember that? And uh, killed all the children in Bethlehem. And there was great crying in Bethlehem. But the Messiah, Jesus, Joseph and Mary, down to Egypt. Out of Egypt I've called my son. Huh. And then, <clears throat> then it happened... Then he came back, and instead of settling in, uh, settling in Bethlehem, they moved to Nazareth, being instructed of an angel. And it says in the Old Testament, he shall be called a Nazarene. You know, he was, all this was fulfilling prophecy that had already been written. And then when the Lord went into ministry, and we didn't cover these points, but when the Lord was going into ministry, it wasn't an ordination service, but there was an induction, and it was through the temptation, 40 days in the wilderness and then afterwards Satan tempted him and said to the Lord Jesus I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world which are Satan's if you will fall down and worship me and Jesus said no <laughs> to the three temptations turn these stones into bread and the Lord said no he, he had a plan <laughs> and a purpose and um, <clears throat> then Satan thought he won he had Jesus hanging on a cross at the end of his ministry. After three years of ministry, Satan thought he'd won. And all the demons were having a party. 
But three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. Victorious over death. And has beaten death for everyone that trusts in him. We have eternal life. Now we come to what we're looking at today. The, the, <coughs> that was historically, but presently. What is God's purpose? We read in Ephesians. If you turn back to the book of Ephesians. What's God doing today? What's his purpose for mankind today? How is he reaching out to people today? Well, we have it given in that reading that we had this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. You're no more strangers, and, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. He's building a household of God. <laughs> and built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. This is the new thing that the Lord began. The church wasn't in the Old Testament. This is the new thing. The foundation is the apostles and prophets and Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And so what is God building today? It, said in, it says in the next verse, in whom ye all the building, what, what building? <laughs> Fitly framed together, growth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. What is God doing today? He's building a church. He's building a church. He's putting a bride, a body, a building together as Ephesians speaks of each one of those. Inhabited by the Spirit of God as it reads in verse 22. And in verses 1 to 6 we have here where Paul was given a special dispensation. In verse 2, have you heard of the dispensation which means a period of time. A special thing God is going to do. The dispensation of the grace of God which has given me, Paul, toward you, Christians. How that by revelation he made known unto you the mystery that, as I wrote afore in few words, by which when ye read may, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. In which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men. In other words, the church was not understood in the Old Testament. They didn't know it was coming. They, they wondered what it was all about. And uh, that's why they were so hard in changing their tradition. That's why Brother Dunn was ministering from Hebrews this morning. Written to the Hebrews to explain the change. You know, from sacrifices of the Old Testament to the sacrifice the Lord Jesus Christ. For the sins of the world. And it's now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets. The church began at, what do we say? The church began at? Pentecost. Pentecost. If he was up there at the examination, that question was put to them. When did the church start? And they fluffed around a little bit. Uh, they got there eventually. <laughs> because, you see, some churches believe it differently. <laughs> Don't they? I see a smile on Brother Wisby's face there because you've experienced that in, in, even in independent Baptist churches. And some say at different times. Some say, you know, with Stephen. Some say, you know, back there in the Gospels. But I say in the Gospels, every time it's referred to the church, it's speaking of the future. It uses future tenses to speak of it. And when do, when do we say, if you were put on a, you had to sit up to the seat here and everyone was looking at you and you had to answer the question, when did the church start? Thank you. <laughs> at Pentecost, that's what we believe. <laughs> because that's when the Spirit of God descended, indwelt the believers. And from that point, people have been indwelt. And unless you've been indwelt by the Spirit of God, you're not in the church. You're unsaved. And you need to be part of that. So presently, Satan 
is attacking the church. But what promise has God given in Matthew 16 and verse 18? The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. We have that assurance that even at the end of time, when Jesus comes back to take his bride, his church to himself, the gates of hell will not have prevailed. They will have pushed at the gate. They will have raged at the gate. They would have tried to burn the gate down. They tried to scale the walls. The old devil has done everything, and that's what we're looking at today, to destroy the ministry and testimony of the church. But the church still goes on because God is indwelling the church. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the word. May it be a blessing to our hearts today as we are encouraged to look at these men of old who stood their ground for the truth and would not buckle and bend to compromise. I pray that we may be the same today, take a stand on the word of God and not move, not for our stubbornness or willfulness, but because thus saith the Lord. And bless the ministry of the word in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, presently, what has Satan been trying to do? Let's turn to the book of Acts and we'll see the Acts of the Apostles. Way back at the start when the church began in Acts chapter 2, Pentecost. In chapter 4, we've moved along a little bit. And verse 17 to 19. But that it spread no further among the people, let us threaten them that they, they speak henceforth to no man in his name. That's what Satan was going to do or tried to do, silence the church. That they speak no more about this, this person. This, they couldn't even say the name Jesus, could they? This name, they said. <laughs> this is the religious leaders of, the, of Israel at that time. And verse 18, and they called them, that is the apostles that they'd taken, taken in, and commanded them not to speak at all, nor to teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it is right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. Now, could have you thought that, that answer? I think the Holy Spirit was in Peter, given that answer to them. Remember, just a, just a little time ago, Peter had run and hid, and all the other apostles had run away when they captured Jesus. Now they're standing up and fronting these people. But God, I mean, Satan wants to silence the church. If he did it back then, does he want to do that today? How does he silence you and me? What is it that, what is the, the main thing that stops you and I speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ? And his purposes. The fear of man. It is. It's the fear of man, isn't it? I fear that what that person will say, what that person will do, how they'll react. How shall they hear except someone be sent to tell them? And Satan is still doing that, trying to silence us from speaking the truth. But notice what they said. Well, we're just going to do it. <laughs> you judge. Should we obey God or man? Chapter 4 and verse 29. And we read there. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. They're telling us not to speak. And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness that they may speak the word. That's what the apostles said. This is a response. And this is God using them. 
that they might be bold to speak by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done in the name of the holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the whole place was shaken and where they were assembled together and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke the word with what? Boldness. Notice it two times. They spoke the word boldly. They weren't fearful of the people around them and how Satan is trying to make us fearful today. Isn't that coming upon Australia and the world? And, and who is Satan using to try to zip our mouths up? Okay, a government, politicians, but somebody, something else too is big in, in this world today. Just, just yesterday, down in Melbourne, was it yesterday? Islam. Don't speak about it. Don't say anything or else you're in trouble. You know, Satan will do, use any means, he doesn't care who he uses, to silence the church, to not speak the truth, to not tell them the truth. There are those that are speaking up, some people who are unsaved starting to realise this has gone crazy. Keep on speaking the truth in love, of course. Yeah, Acts chapter 5, verse 25. Acts 5.25, Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom ye put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. They'd jailbreaked. They'd got out. <laughs> the angel released them. Did they run away and hide? Because, well, they put us in prison once. Next time they get us, they'll off with our heads. No. They went straight back to the temple, <laughs> right where the hot spot was. And start preaching in the faces of those that had thrown them into prison. And teaching the people. And the, how did it happen? God's in this, isn't he? In verse 28 of the same chapter 5, saying, Did not we strictly command you that you should not teach in his name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring his, this man's blood upon us. Now, wait a minute, fellas. You said his blood be upon us and our children. Now you're saying... You, you want it the other way around. And <clears throat> Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. And so Satan is trying to silence and has sat since that time the church. Secondly, the, 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 he ups the ante, we could say. He makes it harder, Satan does. Chapter 5 and verse 33. And when they heard that they... When they heard that, they were cut to the heart because the apostles told them for what they were, <laughs> called them out. And cut to the heart and took counsel to do what? What was the next thing they wanted to do to them? Slay them. If they can't silence them by telling them not to speak, they're going to slay the church. And by the way, uh, if you were here with us when we did through, preach through the book of Revelation in chapter 2 and 3, the periods of church history, I think, are likened to the seven churches in Asia Minor there. Ephesus tried to silence the church. Slay the church is Smyrna, and Smyrna means pressed, persecuted, the church at Smyrna. And it was, literally, in that day. And, and here we see that Satan wants to slay the church. Chapter 5, 33. Katathar took counsel to slay them. Verse 39 of chapter 5. But if it be of God, ye cannot... Oh, Gamaliel gave this counsel to the, the Sanhedrin, of which he was really a leader. He said, if, it be of, if this movement be of God, ye cannot overthrow it. If lest happily ye be found even to fight against God. 
And that's exactly what they were doing. <laughs> the, the religious leaders of the Jews were fighting against God. Paul was one of them at that time. Hard for thee to kick against the goads. You know, when God has an intention for your life or my life and we start kicking against it, it's hard to kick against God. You're going to fight against God? Doesn't work. When God calls you and you say no, uh, look what happened to Jonah. <laughs> he gets thrown overboard. <laughs> God wants and will have his way. Yeah, don't fight against it. Uh, they <clears throat> wanted to slay the church. Chapter 7 of the book of Acts and verse, well, the whole chapter is where Stephen gave his sermon to these religious leaders. We go to verse 51, Acts 7, 51, and we read there, <clears throat> Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. Now, I don't get that rough on you, do I? <laughs> but Stephen did. <laughs> he told them they'd, they'd murdered the Messiah. Now they were after to slay the church. And, and, and Stephen named, called them out for it. You get, this is what you're intending to do. And I'm sure that Stephen had heard about the parables that Jesus had spoke while he's alive, that this is going to be the case. And it was the case. It happened. Verse 52, Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted, and they have slain them who show before of the coming of the just one, the Lord Jesus? of whom ye have now been betrayers and murderers. <laughs> How to get your enemies angry. <laughs> and Stephen did it. He was one that spoke the truth in power. Um, <clears throat> what happened as a result of Stephen's sermon? They slew him. They stoned him to death. Just as he had just said before he died, you are the betrayers and murderers of the prophets and the priests that were godly and also of the Messiah you're guilty of murder, of slaying people the third thing we see that Satan tried to do and this is early in the church this is all happening and has happened since to slaughter you say well it's much the same well let's read it in chapter 8 and verse 3 for Saul for, as for Saul he made havoc, that's Paul who wrote half the books of the New Testament he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women. It's interesting. When, when something, a disaster happens, who should you help first? The children and the women. He didn't care. Whether it was women or children, he hailed them to prison, committed them to prison as it's there. And um, <clears throat> mean as, no, no heart for people. Yet he said he was a religious leader. And chapter 9 and verse 1 and 2 of Acts. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and what was the, what's the word? Slaughter. When you think of slaughter, what do you think of? I think of a, a, a cattle you know, going to the slaughter. As Isaiah is at 53. He's brought as a, a lamb before a shearer and as a... Yeah, that, that's it. Thank you. It, it's there in the word. And, and so Satan is out to slaughter the church, literally take them to the slaughterhouse. And who, who was the chief slaughterer? Paul, as it reads here in chapter 9 and verse 1. Uh, and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord 
went unto the high priest in verse 2 and desiring of them letters to Damascus and to the synagogue if they be found any in this way whether they were men or women he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem to imprison and to slaughter them now in all these bad things happening to the early church you'd think a lot of them would give up and some of them were that's what Hebrews is about don't quit keep going this is the better way Peter wrote about it because he wrote and James to the lost tribes of the children of Israel he wrote to them don't give up keep fighting on keep going we, we've got it easy here today if persecution come would the church be half empty uh, a few of us left as brother Dunn said once would we fit in a phone box one of the little ones if truly persecution come and we couldn't hack it well, the early church, instead of quitting, what happened to them? Well, we go to chapter, back to chapter 8 and verses 1 to 4. We'll just go down, down to verse 4. And therefore they were scattered abroad and went everywhere preaching the word. If you've had a petrol fire, I've had a few of those when we were kids playing with petrol. <laughs> yeah, Tim's smiling at me. Because <laughs> I went into my shed once, here at Albury, when he was only a young fella, and he had this bottle full of petrol with a wick into it. <laughs> a bit of string. <laughs> What's he doing? What's going on here? <laughs> a petrol bomb. But anyway, <laughs> if it had been lit and it wasn't, praise the Lord, I've still got a shed. <laughs> You know, and, and a petrol fire started, and I'm always concerned when I weld in the, in the shed because there's drums of oil, 44-gallon drums of oil for the bulldozer, um, and, and, and petrol in this and diesel in that, and it's everywhere. And this hope a spark doesn't get it going. But if a petrol fire starts, it, you, you hit it, and what does it do? It just spreads, spatters, and spreads. The first initial bang, and then then it all goes spreading it. And uh, even even if a tank has been emptied of petrol from a T model Ford when we were kids, we thought oh, we'll weld this one up and fit it onto our new racing car we us three three boys had made. And I was welding away, and kaboom! <laughs> and instead of a square tank, we had a round tank. <laughs> and it was ten o'clock at night. And, oh, mum and dad would have heard it. So I said, get a hammer, get a sledgehammer, and start banging on something. And, <laughs> We were deceptive little guys. <laughs> but petrol. <laughs> and it, when Satan come down to put out the fire of the church, all it did was scatter and spread it. And Satan was getting frustrated, wasn't he? The more he persecuted, the more it spread. And unbeknown to the church, they were fulfilling the great commission of Matthew 28. Go ye into all the world they were comfortable at Jerusalem they were comfortable with having fellowship does that not remind us of ourselves sometimes we can be very comfortable in fellowship and having it all nice and easy but sometimes God brings down some things in our lives to spread us and to get the gospel out and to make us uncomfortable with this world and not to be satisfied with the things of this world but only to be content with the things of the world to come. And God can do that. 
and he will scatter and spread spread us as he did the early church and then we're fulfilling acts 1 8 you know the the church is to be a witness in jerusalem yes judea samaria to the outermost parts of the world um, <clears throat> and you talk about persecution um, when pastor hein went through church history there last year for the whole year in our evening classes and he put together this little booklet and if you've got it value it because it's a lot of work put into it and it's got he's got emperors and kings in blue church fathers in purple heresies in red popes in dark red <laughs> believers and reformers in green and, and and so it goes down through church history century after century and for the first 300 years for the first three centuries the church was continually persecuted by the emperors of rome nero martyred the apostle paul domination um exiled john and tried to boil him in oil that he wouldn't die god kept him alive and banished him to the isle of patmos trajan christianity was regarded as illegal and churches were regarded as secret societies they were tortured in an attempt to force them to incriminate other people. We live in a, an easy day for Christians. Adrian, persecuted in moderation. Antonius, um, <coughs> burned Polycarp at the stake. Marcus, Justin Martyr was beheaded. And on and on we can go throughout the 2,000 years of church history. Maximus killed many prominent leaders of the church. Decesus wanted to exterminate Christianity, required all to embrace pagan worship. Valerian persecuted. Persecution was more severe than his predecessor. Diocletian in, in 285 divides the empire western and others to make it harder for Christianity to keep going. Diocletian proclaimed an edict whereby Christians were hunted and scriptures were destroyed. And scriptures were all handwritten then. A resolute, determined, systematic effort to abolish Christ's name, Christianity's name, in 303. This was happening year after year after year by them. And so they scattered the church and they persecuted the church. And there was only a few that we mentioned. But then we come to the last point of our study today and it's to seduce the church satan realized that persecuting the church doesn't work it, he's a bit slow to learn isn't he for 300 years he spread the church by persecuting the church isn't it <clears throat> so that if you don't have something you want it if you're told you can't have it you want it and that's what was happening to Christianity. They were told they can't have it. Well, what's wrong with having it? And so they went looking for it. Huh. And uh, human nature can work that way. As I, as I told Andrew when he went to Israel, said, work on that assumption that if they're told by their rabbis, don't read Isaiah 53. You know what you can use? You can use your old human nature to make them want to read Isaiah 53. And so what does Andrew put out? Attract. Nice bright coloured track like Elisa's doing for us here. And it said, what are the rabbis hiding from you? <laughs> and then inquisitiveness. And they want to look into that and look and search it out and pray that they might find this, the Messiah there. But um, <clears throat> so to seduce the church, 
And this is what started happening in that time. I'll just read through some of these things. God's response was to raise up men and movements to counter the perversion of the seduction of the church, the Novations, the Donatists, the Albigenses, and I could read a little bit about all of them, but we haven't time, the Paulicians, the Waldensians, John Whitcliffe, the Lollards, the Guttenberg Printing Press that started printing, the, it was put together to print the Bible. That's why the printing press was developed by people that wanted to get the message out. Uh, these, the, the, the message was going out. Martin Luther and the Reformation, William Tyndale, laid the foundation for the King James Bible that we have. Many of the words, the translation, the words that he translated, the verses that he translated, the scriptures, uh, uh, we find in our King James today. Uh, <clears throat> there's the revivals and awakenings in America and around the world. The modern mission movement began and, and missionaries were sent out of churches. They were in the early church. Paul and Barnabas, remember, were sent up, started churches all through Europe, or present-day Turkey at that, that time, Asia, I say. Um, <clears throat> but what did Satan do? Wrought in Gnosticism, monasticism, and uh, universalism. Everyone will be saved. They'll spend a little time in purgatory and then get out. <laughs> all these false doctrines... Origin and Alexandra, uh, yes, and even Augustine that so many quote. And let me, let, let me read about him a little bit. Page four. Augustine helped lay the foundation for the Roman Catholic Church, a father of the doctrine of persecution, one of the fathers of amillennialism, taught sacraments are means of saving grace. You can partake of the Lord's Supper and it will save you. One of the fathers of infant baptism, Taught Mary was sinless and had a role in salvation. Yeah, where did all this come from? This, well, what does it form now? The Catholic Church believed in purgatory. Taught the Immaculate Conception of Mary. Accepted celibacy of the priesthood. Accepted authority of church over the Bible. Believed true interpretation came from councils and not the scriptures. Interpreted early chapters of Genesis figuratively. They're not true history, six days of creation and so forth. These things are all around today, aren't they? <laughs> taught preordination of the elect, precursor to Calvinism. Taught apostolic succession that we have around today. This is Augustine. This is a, this is a man that a lot of people today quote. I look at that list. And this is all authenticated by historical writings because, you see, the Catholics have kept his writings quite alive. So we have them from back then. I look at this list and say, this man a Christian? When he did and believed what he did? And you can go to Origen, who was in Alexander, and find a list similar to that. Satan was trying to seduce the church by all these falsehoods, all these isms. And we have, I must say, the, the ends of the world, of, of, the, of the world or the time of the church has come upon us. And we have elements of all these things and all the sects and isms that are around us today. We have what was termed the social gospel. What's the social gospel? Sounds good. 
That means that the church helps everybody physically but doesn't give the message of the gospel to them. That's the social gospel. Trying to win the world by good works but are not winning them to anything. And it satisfies, it satisfies the, the man that is in us. We like to do good things for others and we should do good things for others as Christians but not to become a Christian. That's the problem with social, social gospel. Modernism. We have the cults that started. Mormonism, Joseph Smith. Who brought all these into existence? Satan. Some fella got off on a weirdo doctrine from a verse and isolated it and become a pretext to build a movement upon. Mormonism, Joseph Smith. JWs, Charles Taze Russell. And if we knew these men that started these movements, we would run 100 miles and 100 miles an hour away from them. They were wicked men. Womanizers many times. Just wrong. Uh, <clears throat> wrong people. Millerism. <laughs> Millerism. That's probably one yet. But if forerunner to Seventh Day Adventism, Ellen G. White. And the book. I got it there just for reference <laughs> at home. Evangelical pragmatism. And that's come upon us. Satan will soften the blow and make it so almost acceptable. You can swallow this, but be careful about it. Cooperative evangelism. That's been a thing of our day, where all the churches in a town all get together to have a united front to evangelize. And then when people come forward, well, you know, where are you from? Oh, you go Catholic. You, know, you go Baptist. You go... That's wrong. It is wrong. And it's been used in our day when we've been alive to ecumenicalize Christianity. And Satan is a crafty individual trying to corrupt the church, trying to make it ineffective. Um, <clears throat> we could speak of modernism, huh. neo and new evangelicalism, charismaticism. The contemporary movement is one in our day, isn't it? That's the big push. Unless you're able to relate to the people and make it contemporary, in f start marketing the church. You know, I think when, when I hear of the modern movement of marketing the church, that is, you go out into the community before you start a church and ask the people who are not Christians, what would you like in a church? And then you make a church to suit what the unsaved people want. That's nothing to do with the gospel and repentance and faith they're marketing you know who marketed the, the, the original well I might, he might not have been the original Balaam he marketed his gift he said how much will you pay me Balak tried to buy him off remember and pay him for using his gift and, uh, and God was very serious with him with the donkey talking to him and uh, everything that happened around that <clears throat> Well, what's God going to do? <laughs> How is he going to reverse situa the situation? The apostasy, the falling away, has come dramatically upon Christendom. The falling away from the truth. The I don't preach the word anymore. I'll tell stories. And I have to be careful telling stories. <laughs> but trying to relate them to spiritual truth. That's what we need to do. Use them as light a window of light on the, the word of God in our experiences. 
What does God want us to do? What does he want us to do today? Well, let's turn to a couple of closing verses. Other areas we haven't even touched. The perversions of the word of God. Prolific. Everywhere. Satan's method to take away from the word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is what we should do. In light of the battle that we're in, that's in Peter, (laughs) take unto you, and, and Ephesians, the whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand, able to stand in the wicked day. In Titus, I mean Timothy, we have chapter two, verse four. I mean, chapter four, verse one. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. When He comes, will He find faith? I pray He will in you and I, if we're still alive. Preach the what? The word. Be instant, in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. That sounds opposite to what what most churches are doing today. Do the hard yards. Preach the truth. Exhort, rebuke. For the time will come when they will not endure what? Sound doctrine, but heap to themselves. Or... But after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables of men, fables that aren't true. In Peter, it tells us to be sober, pray. This is in 1 Peter 4, verse 7 to 11. Have charity, love one for another. Use your gifts to minister one to another. In chapter 5 of 1 Peter, verse 5 and 9, it talks of submitting to authority Clothed with humility, sober, vigilant, resist the devil. Submit to truth, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's the promise of God. This is what we ought to do. We know what Satan's tactics are. We know he doesn't want the church to be true and straight. He wants to corrupt it and destroy it and slay it. In, you know, in some parts of the world now, what is he doing? He's slaying the church. He's still slaughtering the church in China, in North Korea, in Russia. In some places, he's seducing the church. He, he, his tactic is, a, is dependent on the, the culture of the day. And he'll do it, no matter what means, to stop the Lord building his church. But the gates of hell shall not prevail. God will have the victory. Praise him for it. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Oh, Lord, help us to be aware of what the enemy, our enemy, your enemy is up to. And knowing his tactics and his methods, let's be very careful not to go along with these things. Whether it be in our day of contemporary music and methods and pragmatism, We do it because it works. Lord, let us be aware. Just because it works, it might not be the work of God. Is it truth? Is it according to your word? Bless each one here today and others that are listening in as we endeavor to take a stand for the Lord, for his glory, in his church until he receives us unto himself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.